Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. My name is Rachel. I'm here with my husband, Zach, and the amazing Chris and Michelle Stevens. And we are confident that God has designed you to be in relationship with him and to tell others about who he is and his amazing son, Jesus, that came for us. And we are especially grateful to wrap up part two of this podcast as we continue to talk about what it is to win our world and the things that have changed and the next generation coming up, how we can walk in what God has destined us to do. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, go ahead and like, hit the bell on YouTube. Subi, isn't that how you get reminded if it's so. going to come the again? Bell. Yeah, we don't bell. know. I don't know we how know. to use it very well. You don't know. And I you know. can share it, you know, and, and write questions you got for Pastor and Michelle in there. And what are the thoughts that you have? And really share this as you are encouraged and challenged with somebody else so that you guys can hold each other accountable and walk in what God's asked you to do. Yeah, so this this time we're going to talk specifically around really the next generation. And you guys have always been committed uh, to the next generation. One of the things uh, mom and dad, y'all have said is you want, whenever you get old, uh, which one of you guys have arrived there, <laughs> we won't say who, but whenever you guys get old that you want to not like the church that you go to, you know, to like nothing about it, to like nothing about it. So, so again, and there, there's going to be a full gamut. Listen to this. There'll be students listening to this. There'll be grandparents listening to this and everywhere in between. So before we do that, before we talk about how we're going to equip the next generation, why have you guys always been committed to them? Because they're the, the ones that are going to take it next. You know, they're the ones that are going to, um, be, you know, we only have so much time. And so when, if we, if we're done and there's nobody to step up, then, then where is the, where is that gospel? Where is that purpose going to come from to, to encourage and all those things? And so, and I like just hanging around with the people behind me. I learn new words. I learn new styles. I learn all kind of new things, you know, so I like it. Um, because I, I like being where the party is. And so the party is typically with the next gen. So if I hear them doing something, I'm, I'm going to just find my way in there. But Dad, um, you love you love being a, a part of the party. I am. <clears throat> yeah, I have the significant FOMO. Yeah, totally. Fear missing out. I'm so, per, pretty much a seven. Seven on the Enneagram. On the Enneagram scale. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you're just... You can't you're, even smell seven. You're a <laughs> rager. Yeah, I can... I can go to bed with the best party going on that yes, you've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely, you can. Why, why have you always been committed? Is it just because mom has made you or more reasons than that? Well, Michelle's made me is the number one reason. But I would say it is uh, when I first got saved, you know, I was, I was 22 and you're too young. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard. You're too young. Well, you hadn't been here long enough. You know, you hadn't been here 50 years yet. And I... I saw sort of the Christian bubble that really, it really was the silent generation or what has been known as the greatest generation, the World War II. And, and, I, and, and they weren't going to let anybody else in. And I wanted in. I wanted to see the table and I didn't get one until I got older. I graduated seminary and could not get a church to hire me because I was 29. And, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, wow. I, I interviewed... I would preach the glory to follow people be saved and there'd be about what used to be called back then a pulpit committee. And they'd say, Hey, this is incredible. We've never seen anything like it. You're too young and leave. You're, you're too young. And I said, I can't wait to turn 30. 
I mean, I cannot wait because maybe when I'm 30, I'll get a seat at the table. So, you know, Paul tells Timothy, don't let anyone despise your youth. And because I was cut out and because uh, I was a student pastor and I wanted even back then, I wanted students on the platform. I wanted them at the door and they were sort of shuffled away to the back corner. I said, hey, when I ever get to be in the driver's seat, I'm going to let the next generation in the car. Yeah. And I'm going to let them have a seated table and I'm going to let them, you know, especially we have three great kids and all of them are committed to ministry. Uh, not all vocationally, not our daughter, your sister, but, but uh, so man, we've always tried to make room for the next generation. And it is thoroughly biblical. Yeah. And so we're going to jump back and forth. So we want the next generation to know that we're committed to them. We believe in them, but also it's messy. So for the generation, uh, the older generations who, first of all, have to fund it because young adults and students have no money, right? That's so we right. need people who, do, to, who can fund with what God's called them to do and stuff like that. But um, whenever you think about the mess that students or young adults or the generations coming up make, what are, what, what's maybe a funny story or two? Because, uh, Mom, you were, you were the student oh, pastor for years. So what's a, what's a good story or two that... Uh, a mess that the students have made. Uh, they oh. we would they vandalized your home. They did. They spray painted my dog. Um, um, what dad? Hold on, before you tell that mom, tell them about whenever they killed mom's dog. Threw it in the pool. Well, that in the, the oh over it. You remember the that rental house? I do. Um, they they <laughs> and these were faith promise students. Yeah, these, yeah, oh yeah, these are students you're leading. This is back they killed when. The dog. No. Justin Petrowski and Drew Wells and all them were young adults. and um, Yeah, and now they're staffing. Yes, we were renting a house that had a pool, and they put a bunch of red food coloring in in the pool, uh, thinking it was funny. I immediately went to my dog is dead and in the in the bottom of the pool. <laughs> you don't remember that? And so, she freaked out that woke everybody up because the dog was dead. The dog's the dead. He's in the pool. He's in oh, the pool. Man. You shouldn't have told them that because that just makes them want to do more. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, gosh, I can't tell you how many times our yard was rolled. And they put, you had a giant white Samoyed, yes, Samoyan dog, and they painted him orange. They painted him orange. <laughs> he wouldn't come out of his he house. He wouldn't come out of his house. When was that? It yeah. was. That was at, in Chattanooga. It was before we went to Jennings. Matter of fact, we ended up, that dog had to move to Michelle's mom and dad's, and he got hit, but he was this giant 115-pound White dog with long white know, hair. He looked fact like needed to be there, but uh, affinity for animals. I went out one morning to call the dog, literally, to call the dog, and the do I built a doghouse, and the dog, I knew he was in there, but he wouldn't come out. And so I had to go out there and drag him out of the doghouse, only to find out he was orange and his orange. feelings oh, were deeply hurt. He, he had to go to the doggy psychiatrist after that and get some type of therapy. Awesome. Or as Michelle's mom and dad say, therapy. 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 That's but, amazing. Uh, you know, shaving cream fights and water balloon fights oh at camp. Oh, my gosh. And I, we literally, we would barricade each other ourselves from the between the students and the adults, um, some of the adults that were in on, a, on the wars. We'd try to hide in the, the bathroom. And uh, literally one time, Greg now broke the door down. To get to him, so it, it was. Remember when the cuffs when, off, man? It was, we were at student camp, and your brother sent all the kids on a race, and a kid jumped over the chair and broke like Gloria's nose. 
or he kicked her in the face. <laughs> Didn't break her nose, but he, he kicked her in the face. Oh, I'm I'm gonna tell something, and obviously we we <laughs> desperately honor uh, mom and dad here. But uh, something I love, and I think something you have to do if you are going to make room for the next generation is you can't take yourself too seriously. Something you guys have done so well. It's a it's a balance because you you deserve to be honored, right? But you, you also have to be human enough. And something that dad would do, um, or, or it was really done to you more so, I think, by Uncle Maisel, uh, mom's, mom's brother. But they had a salute for dad. And dad, dad would. I've never heard this. Oh, it's oh, yeah. so, oh, yeah. so, so ugly. So really? dad, dad would always go. On sinful. Actually, one of my favorite things is dad would go preach student camps because dad's a gives an evangelist and he has this airbrush t-shirt that i still have it's in the cedar chest yes. uh, but he would go do all these student camps he'd do it for for uncle Maisel, who's also a, an amazing pastor and if you're watching on youtube you'll see but they would hold their their uh arms like this right here and i didn't know what it was and i remember asking mom what it was and they said it's dad's nose. <laughs> and so this was the Chris Stevens salute. Uh, and so it was but, horrible. It was horrible. It was deeply. I had to go to therapy after yes, that. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, but y'all, you guys, you guys made room and it was messy. And I, I'm I, every time I remember when I was doing students uh, at, at Faith Promise, there were, there were always holes in the walls. There was doors broken, whatever. I, we got in trouble a lot. Yeah, but there was yeah. never, it wasn't, it was, it was more like, hey, are you guys, are you guys using your wisdom? It wasn't, hey, if y'all yeah. break the door again, you can't, you can't do it. Well, people are holy, stuff is not. Yeah. The building is sheetrock and studs and a roof and lights and carpet. It's not holy. It's just a place to stay out of the weather and God cares more for students and kids and next generation than he does about stains on the carpet or a broken chair or even a broken soundboard. We care about the next generation. And, and I think on the other side, I think there's, there is wisdom and being a good steward of the, the resources right. God's given us. But sometimes in the moment, you know, things happen and you just have to roll with it. And it's, I've been on both sides, you know, right. um, I've been on the participating side and I've been on the other side with my arms folded. Why did they do that? So I, I, I get it, but, um, there's something about being caught up in with students. They're, they're just, um, they're just so open. And so, uh, just little, you know, like they're sponges. They just, they want to be loved. They want to have fun. And you have opportunities with that. And that's where I, of course, again, I, I really am a seven. I really do have FOMO. Right, totally. And so uh, I, I thrive in those environments. And so I love being around them because they just, um, they have such life, yeah. you know. And I, what I don't want to do is I, I know that generations change and think differently about different generations but I don't want to ever get to that point where I don't have a heart and a burden for them just because I don't understand why they think that. Why did they, you know, why, what are those words, you know, why would you listen to that? that those kind of things. Yeah. So, so, so we talked about kind of on that, uh, uh, maybe on the older side may resonate more. Hey, it's messy, but it's worth it. Now, again, jumping back to the young adult or the, the student side like that, that next generation coming up. You guys have seen some amazing moves of God 
that are led by students that are that are student either led or impacted. So talk a little bit about some of the movements of God you guys have seen uh, in students and young adults and really what like what foster because there's there's some young adults and students listen to this who are hungry to see it, hungry not to see it, but to lead it. Yeah, we've got some incredible students and young adults. Even some in the kids' ministry are already radical. So? Uh, You know, there's a a lot of stories um, through the years. I've uh, I've been in times where I've just invited them into our home. We'd have a time of, of prayer with some of the student leaders, and they would just be on their face before the Lord, and they would be, they would be the ones praying. They would be the ones crying. They'd be the ones singing. And it was just awesome just to to be in their presence. Um, um, we had them in our home in, in Louisiana and our home here in Knoxville. And it was it was them doing it. They'll be um, in our home tonight. Yeah. And so it's just it's awesome to be in those moments, seeing them seek hard after God, but also empowering them. Just giving them the catalyst or just the, you know, the lighter fluid as it was. So they know how to ignite that flame. Um, and then just seeing what happens from there. Yeah. Some of the greatest growth at faith promise. So we've seen miraculous things in the 29 years history of faith promise is 95, but, but there were my, my favorite season was the mosh pit, mm-hmm. uh, on the front of the stage where there'd be 250, uh, high schoolers, middle schoolers, just passionately worshiping the Lord. And there are adults mad about it. I'm getting emails about it. And, hey, you got to stop that. And, uh, buddy, I wasn't about to stop They're anything. They're taking their shoes off. They're barefooted. Yeah, holy. They're standing on holy ground. And, and some of those students are pastors on our team right now. Yeah. They're, they're no longer students anymore. But some of the greatest moves, Some see, a student is not old enough to be too dignified yet. Mm-hmm. They're young enough to get radical. They're also, because they're in school, they're around hundreds and hundreds of lost people. Right. It is one of the greatest seasons for, for personal growth, for a baptism of the Spirit, for evangelism, for, you know, just selling out. And there, there, are, there are people that, that are going to be here this weekend that wish they were as close to God today as they were in the student ministry. Well, yeah. and I, I love that when a student came and shared their story with you about what God did, you did not discount it. So if they were like, hey, I, I had a vision or I believe God's called me into ministry or I heard the voice of God, your encouragement was not, oh, there's no way that could be real or you can't experience that yet. We, oh, there was no junior Holy Spirit. No. And so the call of God on your life can happen at any point. And your job was to help them steward whatever God gave them. And I'm just, I'm grateful that you guys continue to, and you do it even now, create a space where you, as a young person, you don't feel like you're an inconvenience. So if you show up at Pastor Michelle's house right now, you will tell you just open the fridge. It's not... 
the, your lifestyle was a place of open space, no matter who you are or where you come from. If you show up at Mimi's house, you get to open her That's fridge, right. you get to have a Zevia. Pop's going to be on the back porch, and you can come sit next to him and ask him whatever you want to. There is such a space where you are never an inconvenience. That's right. And I think for the next generation, one of the things that can be hard is you feel like an inconvenience because you're misunderstood or because you don't understand the other side of the table, what's one way that you continue to bridge the gap? Uh, you, you referenced it, Michelle, where, hey, I don't understand everything that the next generation is going through or why they're doing what they're doing or their experience is so different and I don't understand where that came from, but I'm gonna bridge the gap and meet them where they are. How do you do that? Well, I think for me, my, my life was changed as in, when I was a student. And so I had so many galvanizing um, moments that I didn't even recognize then what was happening. You know, when you're a student, you don't recognize them as galvanizing moments till you're older and you look back what God was doing. But so to, um, so I've always in turn wanted students to have those experiences, to have those callings, to take those next level and, and step up. But in order to do that, I have to be around them, mm -hmm. I think, you know, and that was one of the other things that I noticed that I wish I had, you know, when we talked last time about things I wish I'd done different. I wish I would have stayed more involved in students um, mm -hmm. on, on Wednesday nights like I did in the early years. And so, because um, anyway, they just bring a breath of fresh life. So I would encourage anybody that um, to get involved in, in, in a, an area where students are, whether it's a ball field or at the, at the school or, or at church um, in, the, in the ministry, um, because that's how you get to know them. And it's not to fix them. And it's not to make sure they think like you think, and that's uh, it's just to understand. You can't you can't help them get where we know where truth is unless you kind of understand where they're thinking, you know, and what you know. Even try to learn all the crazy words and some of the music they listen to, you know. Um, I I just try not to stay relevant for relevance sake, but it's if I want to. Um, you know, reach my hand across the aisle for them. I just want to be um, knowledgeable, you know, of their world and just be a part of their world. You know, if if we're going to maintain a healthy next generation reach, it's, you, still, you spell a sacrifice. Because mm -hmm. those students are not going to bring you money, even though many of them are, are hyper generous. Right. But they don't have any money. And and so to to build in the next generation, you have to sacrifice you have to make room on the platform for the gifted. You have to make room. When I remember how many adults were furious when we did away with Wednesday night and gave the students the building. Mm -hmm. and, and adults came to me and were mad. Hey, I love Wednesday night. Well, so do I. Right. But we've had our shot. Now it's the next generation shot. So we're not going to have Wednesday. You can go home and read the Bible. That we are going to open this, all of our campuses up so the students can come, be loved, learn, be known and needed, can experience God. And we can, we, you know, you know, 10 years from now, yeah, will they be giving? Will they, yeah, sure, they'll be doing. It's not about 
They do bring stuff. They bring the energy to the room. They bring the passion. They bring the zeal. They bring the fire. They bring all their friends. Uh, and I've just seen it happen too many times. You made a comment at the last step in exact. I'm more than anxious to follow students into revival. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, 100%. And actually, I think a great question, jumping back to um, the, the older people who are going to pour into students, young adults, things like that. As you guys look back, obviously you guys raised me, Mike, and Faith. Uh, and then you've been a part of raising a bunch of students and young adults here. As you look back, you think about our purpose to win the world. Are there some intentional things that you would, because there's parents, a lot of parents that listen to the podcast, and even students who could humbly share this with their parents. Uh, but are there some things that you would say, hey, I would intentionally do that. Maybe it's something you did well, or maybe it's something that you wish you would have done. What are some things that uh, maybe make it a one-on-one level that a parent or a group leader could do uh, to help a student or a young adult win their world? Like, what are some of those developmental equipping things that you just wouldn't miss on if you could go back? I, I would say I, I tried to do it with you kids and students, um, young adults. Take them with you. You know, have a relationship with with them um, that's, that's um, sincere. But take them with you when you do something. You know, um, when you do some form of ministry, um, whether it's, you know, crazy it sounds like when you go to pray for somebody, like in the hospital, take, some, take somebody young with you so that they, they realize just the power of loving people and um, that there's so many, so many more things uh, that they can do. But to me, that's what I would say. Um, take them along with you so that they, you don't just tell them what to do. They, they see you do it. They see how to do it. And experience it. Yeah, what you do speaks so loudly. I can't hear what you're saying. I think it was JL on the last presidential election I took. Was it JL? One of the grandkids I took with me to vote. Oh, yeah, Jay. And put a big stick on her forehead that said I voted. Obviously, she didn't. Uh, so let's, let's don't get paranoid out there. Conspiracy people. Uh, it's Rachel. But, but I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, I took all of y'all on mission trips. Michelle took y'all on mission trips. People do what people see. Uh, practice your story at home. Practice your story with your kids. You know, I mean, already JL is trying to win her world in school and coming home and saying, hey, I face this. What, what do I do with that? Hey, I've got a friend that has to take medication for anxiety in the second grade. What, what? And so... You, you're, she's becoming wise because she's striving to win souls, but you teach them, you walk with them, you help them. Have your house be the place where the kids come. Yeah. Most of, if parents, most of the places, if your kids are going to get in trouble, it's going to be spent the night at somebody else's house. Yeah. That's, that's where, that's where stuff happens. There's no way my kids would have gone to, our kids would have gone to anybody's house they weren't well acquainted with the parents and understood where the parents were. So, you know, know where they're going, be with them, hang with them, go on a mission trip, take them. I remember Micah looking at me at probably eight years old saying, I did not know it was a privilege to be a picky eater. Hmm. He had no clue because he'd never been where there wasn't mass quantities of food. And so he's, he's in El Salvador, you know, so it's a mission trip. It's, it's, you know, if you're going to pray, like Michelle said, you're going to pray for somebody. If you're going to share the gospel, 
Take them with you. Let them hear. Jesus never did ministry alone. Don't do life alone. Bring your kids with you and, and let them see. You know, something that, that, that I do because I see Zach do it is almost always with the waiter or waitress is, hey, we're going to pray for our food. What can we pray for you about? And then if we go back, he said, hey, I remember we prayed for your grandfather, your dad, your brother, whatever. How were they doing? Do that in front of your kids or let your kids ask the question. My mother would not let me share the gospel with her. And I, we went home for vacation and I said, mom, faith wants to get her ears pierced. She was terrified of needles. She's 12. She hadn't got her ears pierced yet. We had this whole thing planned. We said, mom, we're going to go to lunch and you can give faith's ears pierced. Well, that was just, I mean, that's two generations. She's the only girl. And so we go, we sit down to lunch and faith begins to talk to her about Jesus. And if looks would have killed, I would have been dead. And my mom said, hey, Faith, don't worry about me. I'm fine. I said, no, 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 Mom, we're not going to do that. Faith cries herself to sleep, worrying whether you are a Christ follower or not. You are going to sit right here and you are going to have a conversation with Faith. And mm -hmm. Faith shared the gospel with my mother. Mm -hmm. And she learned by back then, Faith actually used to go to visitation with me. Yeah. And it was Faith's job to keep the kids tied up so that I could focus on mom and dad. Yeah. And so she was well acquainted as a, as a, just a, like 11 or 12 year old to share the gospel with her grandmother because we taught her and she was the one we did it. Yeah. And something else that you did, sorry, something else you did that I think faith, one of another reason faith could do that is, um, you, you guys really did your best to introduce, introduce us to the Bible as well. You know, so biblical literacy is a big deal and people feel very insecure around the Bible, even though the uh, the resources for Bible reading, whether it's plans on you version or the kids thing or whatever. But faith knew a scripture verse for every letter of the alphabet. That's you right. know, I remember that. I remember, she was four. Yeah. And I remember her doing Bible like Bible drills, like all of us doing that. But that, that was something else. I think a gift that you guys gave to us. And not just you talked about how important it was. That's something. But again, like what you said, what you're doing is talking so loud I can't hear what you're saying. And so like we knew, you know, we knew like that you guys were in the word and it would come up like out of your quiet times, things that you're praying for. So uh, just something else that has impacted us that I, that I would say is necessary for raising up a generation that's going to win their world is biblical literacy and JL when she started asking when she was six because we do Bible time every night how do we know how do I know the Bible is true like how do I know this or that and it's 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 hard not to just give the because I said so answer yeah. um and but also not pulling out the Dead Sea Scrolls she didn't understand that so like how do you uh but taking doing the hard work shit like practicing your story is hard work uh, helping a six or seven year old understand why we trust the Bible is hard work, you know, but, and we have to be willing to do it if we're going to raise, have a generation that's going to win their world like the world's never needed like it does now. So, but you don't, you don't have to be a seminary graduate because you guys are so much, it's ridiculous how much more intentional you are with your kids than we were. Mm -hmm. If we look back and we could have changed one thing, we'd be more like y'all intentionality. And we did, we did train. You guys did have a word for the year and personal growth plan, but you guys are speaking life every night. And those kids, hey, you got to pray over me. And, but when you started that, you hadn't, 
You hadn't done seminary. Right, no. So you, you don't have to know every answer. Hey, I'll look that up. I'll find that out when they say, you know, uh, whatever question they have. But be intentional. Be more intentional to train them spiritually than you're worried about their education. That's good. Well, when you have them with you, you know, Michelle, you <clears throat> talked about making sure somebody's with you. Every time you go somewhere, every time you do something that you're bringing them along, it forces you into a place of accountability that you don't normally. So when I have my kids with me, I, I remember having, they were in the car and we were leaving Cabrew and I looked a hot mess and there was somebody crying in the parking lot. And I was like, gosh, I do not want to do that. But my kids see the people crying in the parking lot. And I know the Holy Spirit told me, get out and go check on them, go pray for them. And so I get out and I'm very insecure. I don't look, I mean, I haven't showered in probably two days. Let's be generous. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I'm just going to go do this. And these people are going to think I'm crazy. But if I don't do it, then they're not going to do it. And right. walking out and asking her, hey, I see you crying. Are you okay? Oh, well. And they shared the story about their daughter and what they were walking through with their daughter. And I said, hey, you know, this might sound really strange, but can I just pray for your daughter? Can I pray that God provide her with that job? Can I pray for your heart as you love her and you, and you lead her in this season? And when I got back in the car, the kids asked, well, what did you say to her? And I am a terrible liar anyway, and so I'm not, I can't lie to them. And so I, I'm grateful that when I choose to follow in the practice that you, you teach us in taking people alongside, it forces me to follow through all the way because there's a level of accountability that says, well, you've told us this is what you do. And so now I'm here with you. Are you really going to do what you said you do? Oh, I don't know how many times we would, when, when ours were little and Micah was the kingpin at this, We'd pass somebody. Mike said, Daddy, you going to stop? Well, you know, I really want to, but Dad, we're, we're, what about the Good Samaritan? <laughs> I mean, you said that we don't pass people that are in trouble. It's, yeah, he used what, I, what I meant to do was I was going to make a turn around yeah. at the next street. What I, that's what I meant to say. I'm, I'm coming back to help them. It you're so right. It makes accountability because the kids realize, hey, that's what people that follow Jesus do. Yeah. We pray with people that are hurting. We don't have to know who they are. We, 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 we lean in. And then when you don't want to or feel like it or dress like it or you're in a, you're late for something and you say, hey, we're. We're going to do it anyway. It's well, so the, good. The fear and judgment and shame that years of living in the world can bring, <laughs> they have not experienced yet. Mm -hmm. There's a purity that they have. Yeah, so good. And so that really inspires and encourages. It's why having the next generation around you, because they haven't been hurt enough yet to be afraid to take a step of faith. And they really do believe, and I, I joke all the time, like, well, I'm just naive enough to believe that God is who he says he is, that he'll do what he says he can do. So I'm going to ask him because I've watched him do those things, but I haven't been hurt enough yet to stop asking. Do you know? And I've learned that when he did say no, because I chose to believe, he met me in the middle of my wrestling. And so when JL says, or River says, go and do, hey, why aren't we? I ask the question, well, why don't I? Have I forgotten that I serve the God who's able? Have I forgotten that this is what a, a follower of Jesus does? Am I afraid of man? Is that who I worship now? And it causes me to reflect. And I apologize to my kids. Yeah. I tell them I made a mistake. I didn't follow through that. I'm so sorry. I'm going to do better next time. And it's such a gift. The next generation is a gift to us. 
as we age because they haven't experienced all the things that have caused us to doubt yeah. or be concerned or jaded us. Yeah. Now, what some of you parents are thinking is, well, if, if I would have grown up in your house, if you and Michelle were my parents, I'd be parents like Zach. Zach and Rachel are way better than we were, but understand I had no example. So some of you feel like, hey, I can't do it. I'd love to do, be more accountable, I'd love to, but I didn't grow up, I didn't have a model. Hey, you're a, you're, you're a parent, they're not your kids. God gave you for a season, a time to train his children for him, of which he holds you accountable for. So do me a favor, let me just lean in and say we love you. Don't, give your, don't let yourself off the hook. Well, one of the things, I love a lot of things about our church, but our church, has really tried to be intentional about partnering with parents and giving them resources. And some of the cards they send home encourage the kids to take those steps um, to um, not just learning about their purpose, but those action steps in loving people. And like serve days, when we go on serve day Saturdays, I see so many of our parents that bring their kids along and their kids are in neighborhoods and handing out things or you know, working at the school and, and making the grounds pretty or whatever they might be doing. And so I, I love that about our church, but that's a simple um, thing that you can do is to um, do those community outreaches with your kids and then even to, even let them invite their friends to come along, which opens up a whole can of worms because, you know, then you're refereeing and you're trying to, they're always hungry or thirsty. There's always things, you know, with kids, but that's, that's part of it. You just kind of have to go along to get along. But you, you know, when they invite their friends, then you're, t you're helping them recognize that their friends can learn to do those things as well. So just some, some, uh, little things that resources that I know that we do at Faith Promise, but you could certainly generate on your own. Yeah, I think that one other thing for uh, the generation that needs that, that is going to reach down and help students and young adults is is a certain level of humility. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm sure that two things that come to mind, you know, whenever I was little and I, we had that evangelist Sonny in and I jumped up on stage, said I had a word from God. In retrospect, I'm sure you were dying inside, uh, you know, and, but I don't remember getting spanked for that. Maybe could have happened, but, but I like I wasn't I wasn't punished for that, uh, I'm sure I was talked to, but I, I, I wasn't, I, really you think back, like what gets rewarded gets repeated. And uh, like going up on stage, uh, not, without asking wasn't, that wasn't, uh, you know, celebrated, but getting a word from God and boldness was, you know, but then also having- Let me, let me back up, because that's not the whole story. Okay. You know, Sonny, we were in Louisiana and Sonny traveled with a fifth wheel. And you went out knocking on the door four or five times. <laughs> what was well, I doing? With a Bible as big as you. With a Bible as big as you. And every time Sonny would invite you in and you told Sonny, I have a word. And Sonny said, I want you to come dress tonight and I'm going to call you up. And he called you actually up on stage to which you walked out and gave a brief word. I don't remember what it was, but impactful is what it was. It was, no, it was probably revival broke out, but it was, it was a precursor of what would come years later. Yeah. I, I, we I, couldn't have been more, your mother couldn't have been more proud. I was aghast that you kept knocking on Sonny's door, but 
Yeah, you, you went multiple times. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a good word. Well, something else. <laughs> relentless. He exactly is relentless. Right. There's no question. But something else I remember is uh, whenever I was younger and uh, I was, uh, I don't remember how old I was, but I was, I was still living at home. I, was, I, I couldn't drive yet. And I was reading the Bible and saw in John where Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on the disciples. And, um, you know, the Holy Spirit, I, I, like I, I felt a draw to study that, but didn't know much about it. And then when dad was having his quiet time and I went up and asked, I said, hey, can I do that? Uh, and you were like, hey, I don't, I don't think so. And we, and then that was it and walked away. Whatever dad said was the gospel. So I just walked away. And then the next morning you whistled like you were up six, five or six, having your quiet time. You whistled, woke me up. So I think something's wrong or you needed me to reach the, reach the remote, one of the two. And so I run up there and you just said, Hey, I don't know. I don't know. I, I was, I was reading it and I don't know if you can do that or not. Like, I, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And so it was a, but you did, I'm, I'm a snot nose, like uh, early high school or middle school, you have your doctor degree and you're calling me up to say, Hey, I'm sorry. I don't know. And that night, um, I'm sure I know I've told you this at some point, but I remember that night, Bo Jackson, my small group leader went up front for prayer and I went up there to pray for him. And he's a big, big old guy. And I had my hands on his back and I ran out of stuff to pray. But I, he, he had told us in group, I forgot what it was. I think it was his son or something he's praying for. I had my hands on his back. I ran out of stuff to pray. And I feel like something inside me tell me to breathe on him. And I'm like, no, I'm just no way I'm going to do that. There's zero <laughs> chance I'm going to do that. Because he's always sassing me about not like you're here for the wrong reasons, whatever. And he, he'd give me a hard time. And uh, I just remember, like, okay. I'm going to be obedient. And that's something y'all have taught us as well is, hey, you're, you're never going to be the smartest person or the most talented. There's always somebody doing that. What you can always give God is your obedience. And I remember breathing on Bo Jackson's back like a weirdo. <laughs> like a weirdo. But it sounds it, weird. You it, tell it, the story. So it, it was weird. Well, we're, yeah, it, it's weirder. I'm leaving things out. But, but I have my hand and I, I breathe on his back and he locks up. And I think... He's about to lay into me. He thinks I'm playing during prayer time. I'm, you know, breathing <laughs> on his ear like a weirdo. And, uh, and he locks up. And I remember after he said, hey, what what did you pray? And I was like, yeah, just normal stuff. And he's like, hey, man, I felt this peace about this situation that I haven't felt. This, I've, I've never felt that. But I never would have done that if you didn't have the humility that I didn't deserve at all uh, to come back around and say, hey, man, I you got to, you got to talk to the Lord. I don't know. So I think for us to be able to, if we're going to, if we're going to have generations that stand on our shoulders and go further, like what y'all, y'all have asked us to do, you can't do that without humility. Like it's, it's almost degrading to let somebody stand on your shoulders. It's degrading to let somebody say, Hey, we're going to change how you guys built it so that we can reach a different group of people. Uh, but I, honestly, we wanted to have the podcast so students and young adults could listen to this and know, and, and parents could listen to this and know. Uh, but we just want to thank you guys, I mean, for creating an environment where we really can, like where young adults and students can be released to reach 
um, and to see revivals in schools and for us to follow them into revival. And so we love you guys so much. And breathe, and breathe on people. And breathe on and people. Guys, feel free to breathe on people this week. Well, Most in the face. And not just young people, but you changed from Michelle's experience as a young woman, you changed what my experience was. Because I didn't know, I never thought, oh, a woman can't do ministry. Because when I came up and learned, what I saw was Michelle charging hell and grabbing people and saying, no, you're, you can go higher and we can do more and we're going to run together. And so what I saw was that there were men and women who partnered together as brothers and sisters to see the kingdom of heaven come to earth. And that the next generation of young men and young women, little boys and little girls are going to get to look and see their generations of people who can partner together. You don't just have to be the same age. You can be younger and older and be different ethnicities and have different socioeconomic statuses and link arms and run into heaven together. That's right. So good. Now, if you're a student listening to this and you're the only Christian in your family, it's going to be okay. We're your we're your spiritual family. The, the small group leaders and student ministry, Love you. They're going to be there for you. Uh, but, the, but there are people that will spiritually parent you here. Please don't walk away thinking, well, I can never be like Pastor Zach or Rachel. I can never be because my mom and dad don't know Jesus. Mine didn't either. Yeah. And so we're going to walk with you. You are, and you're not alone. We love you. We care deeply about you. So... Don't think you're second class. That's right. You you are so loved and welcomed here, and we're just grateful. That's exactly right. And you have a purpose, and that purpose is to win the world, and we feel honored to serve you. So, Mom and Dad, we love you so much. We're so grateful for you. you. We love you guys. Go and win your world this week. We'll see you next week.